We're already in February 2020. It's episode 85 of From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life. I'm your host, Tim Wilshire. Uh, a new guest on the show today, uh, Michael Christie from Christie uh, and Co. Property Group. Uh, welcome along to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Okay, uh, so just uh, I guess uh, what we how we usually start off the podcast is we basically just uh, give you give our listeners a bit of background information, Michael, as to uh, where you came from, uh, where you're born, where you, where you sort of grew up, just just uh, to put us put our viewers, I guess, in a bit of perspective as to what your background and that sort of thing. So whereabouts were you born? Well, I was born in New Jersey, actually. Um, my background is actually quite interesting and quite a long story. So. I don't know how much time we have here, so I'll try to keep that uh, short. We've got, we've got about an hour, so you never know. <laughs> you, you never know, but start somewhere, I guess. Uh, so New Jersey, what part of New Jersey? So Ridgewood is where the hospital is. I guess you could say that's in Bergen County, which is right yep. outside uh, New York City. So that's probably the first county you hit right when you come over the bridge outside of New York City. To uh, My father's a Italian-American, and my mother's a, a ger- full, full-blooded German. So he met her overseas in the, when he was uh, stationed in... In uh, in Germany during the Cold War era, so and then they obviously went back to the states, and then wound up with me and a brother, and now well, my father's remarried, but I got five brothers now in total. So five brothers, well. yeah, no sisters, no nothing, just five brothers. Just boys, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up in that in that part of the world. In how long were you in sort of uh, New Jersey, New York area? I was in New Jersey until I graduated my bachelor's. So I went mm-hmm. to NYU just over the river, and mm-hmm. uh, graduated from from there and after that I was funny enough my mother had called me after graduation to congratulate me and said you actually only have three months to come to Germany and claim your visa (laughs) so I was like hmm well that's kind of an interesting thing let me take a gap year here and go see what Europe's all about so I went over to Europe landed within three weeks I had a passport which was crazy I mean I remember when we even went into the to the actual, like, the Burgersamt, which is, like, the town hall to get the passport. Mm. Even the, the guy who was sitting at the desk doing the passports was upset as to, how can he just walk in and get a passport in one day? And he was actually quite frustrated that someone who spoke no German could instantly become a citizen, but because my mother's full course, yeah. German citizen, I was entitled. So I did that. Uh, I studied a little bit at LMU, which is Ludwig Maximilian in uh, Munich. Did a few courses there as well, um, and then I got into uh, a bit of management consulting in the IT league. Yeah, okay, so going back, um, what about what's did you grow up with any sort of sports that you were playing or anything like that? I was always fairly good at soccer. I guess there must have been some European blood deep down in the roots somewhere. Um, I did football for a while, but nothing ever really stuck. I really was into motorsport. I really okay. am still now a huge Formula One fan. Uh, I follow it every second of it and I don't miss a beat of the driver's stats but my father was didn't want to pay for the karting I wanted to get into karting that's what I really wanted to do but you know that's so an expensive sport to get into as oh, a kid you yeah. know so didn't really get a chance to get at that yeah, yeah. and what I guess um, I guess what was your first job that you ever had as a youngster like like when you were sort of a teenager what was the first job well my first legal job and my first my first well, I guess you could say illegal job. First <laughs> illegal job. <laughs> uh, I used to work for my grandmother's boss, who he owned a medical billing company. Back in America, you know, it was the days when people used to do handmade medical billing, like bulk billing. And he owned a big company out in New Jersey. And I, he was a, a race car driver on, on the weekends. And he had 
trailers with Porsches in them. And I don't know if you know these trailers. When these cars come off the tracks, the tires are very sticky. <laughs> and the, the rubber actually you know melts off the tires onto the floor of the, the trailers. And these trailers are all made out of like a white epoxy kind of plastic. So I, my first job was during the summers, I would come in, I would shine that thing. I would get on a ladder and shine and wax the outside of it. And I would scrape the rubber off the floors of the trailer for him and then organize his racing garages and stuff. That was my first real job. And then he started getting me into organizing the endless warehouses of medical bills, <laughs> which I absolutely am pretty sure that that warehouse is a mess. I don't think I put anything correctly in order. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first real experience. And he actually mentored me through kind of being an entrepreneur. I learned a lot of what I did in business from him, okay, just his characteristic, awesome. you know, did yeah. that with him for enough time to get a little bit off of him, you know. I always think it's a good idea to try to, you know, try to learn a bit of entrepreneurial spirit when you're fairly young and, and learn, obviously you'll you learn from the people that you're around, you know, with at the time, but I think it's important. To, I mean, it, it's it's good to have that sort of, that that uh, want to be able to be your own boss in a way and, and want to be able to sort of, you know, control your own destiny. I think a lot of kids, like even now, like you see people that have those tendencies. Some people are just born with it. Mm. You know, there are kids you see that go in and go buy, go to Costco and buy a 24-pack of soda, and then they know how to go and flip it in school. There's just those guys. Yeah. Everybody always knows one of those kids, and they're rare to find. Yeah. They're very yeah. hard to find. But it didn't catch on. Like, I learned some of that stuff from him, but it didn't sink into me until later in life where I really took the lessons I learned from him and actually put them into play. Mm. At the time, I was just working to make money to go, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, do teenagers stuff yeah. you know go hang out with the guys and you know go on dates and stuff i didn't really think much of my job other than making money at that time mm. um just to have maybe a better car get mm. a better girlfriend you know like all that kind of stuff so but i used that later in life it really kind of kicked in the life lessons that i got from that so what was the first car that you ever owned then it was a chrysler sebring I don't know if they have them here. I don't know if you guys did. You ever had? Do you have them in this? Here? Oh, we do have Chryslers. I don't know, but I'm not too familiar with Sebrings. But Sebring uh, was a two door. Two it was two door yeah. sports car, but so how did you sort of get your hands on one of those? It wasn't new. Yeah. <laughs> it was used. Yeah, of course. And it obviously had a bit of damage to it. Um, but I I worked. Well, this would have been later on in life. So after that, I got my first job at a Pathmark, which would be the equivalent to Coles or Woolworths. More yeah. like an IGA, actually. It's not like yeah. a mainstream. Um, it's kind of small, tailored yeah. uh, grocery store. And I saved up enough money, and then I became the local uh, manager of a hat store. Mm -hmm. This is a store called Lids. I don't know if you know New York very well, but fitted caps are no, Fitted caps, you yeah. know, like the rappers used yeah. to wear. I mean, yeah. it's, they don't really wear them much anymore, but it used to be a, very popular to have mm. fitted baseball caps. Mm. And I was the manager of, the, of one of their chain stores in the mm. Garden State Plaza Mall in New okay. Jersey. And that's how I made the money to get that. <laughs> yeah, I saved up and I bought it for 7,000 cash. And then the transmission blew out in like four months, and then I had to spend another two grand trying to rebuild it. Jeez. <laughs> Lessons, eh? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, first cars, first jobs. What about you? Um, my first car was a Mazda 323. Uh, Those are nice. A brown little um, hatch. Uh, cost a couple of grand with McDonald's pay. Um, saved it up. And, uh, yeah, and I remember I had it for about two, maybe two or three years before someone stole it. <laughs> someone stole it? Yeah, someone stole it and then just trashed it for parts and got found about six months later up in the hill somewhere. 
hills and uh, by that stage I'd obviously got another vi- I got a Corolla or something but but um, yeah that was my first car and yeah I, I just left it somewhere in town and next thing I know it was bloody stolen <laughs> and um, lucky he had fifth insurance or something you know wow but um i've never it, heard of that yeah. like uh i i mean in the states it's funny enough you'd think that you'd hear car robbery more often mm. but i've heard a lot since i've been here it seems to be one of the biggest uh, problems i think is yeah i think i think people just nowadays it's more of a case of going for a joyride if they yeah know, strip, yeah i see that you know they'll strip number plates um tires you know you'll see that sort of stuff but yeah back in yeah, no, it's 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 one of those things, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about, about some of your background. So you, you're mentioning um, Europe. So you went to do the Europe thing. Tell us about your experiences in Europe when you went over there. You said you Crazy obviously you, you're able to get get the passport, I think, mm. straight away, or the well, yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, your mum was German, wasn't she? Yep, she's still there. Um, so whereabouts in whereabouts in Germany does your mum come from? My mum's from Munich originally so okay. in the very south mm. southwest so, if it, yeah, so, so i guess southeast sorry as far as germany is concerned have you ever done an oktoberfest there yes two two, two. so i lived in munich for two years and i did cologne for one year mm. so i've experienced actually the both of best german parties the oktoberfest and the carnival which is in february in cologne so yeah i went to cologne uh jeez oh, about 15 oh yeah it was Christmas time, just before Christmas time, eighteen. Mm. Um, so just over a year ago, beautiful place. Yeah, uh, fantastic. But it's that time of the year in Germany where um, Christmas markets are everywhere. So you go to it's every, beautiful, every town. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just great. Did you catch the snow? Uh, it was no. It was actually we 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 arrived in Frankfurt um, for one night and went to had a look around Frankfurt. Uh, and it snowed as we sort of arrived, and then the, the whole rest of the trip, I didn't, we didn't get any snow, I don't think. Oh. But um, it was still fairly cold, so you, they won't do anything along that Rhine River. That's one of my best memories um, of Germany: is standing out in a Christmas market drinking hot wine while it snows. Yeah, I love the malt something wine magical about it's that. It's great, just yeah. But the, mag- the markets are what I miss a lot. Um, yeah. You know, that's just something I always look forward to. My wife just loved it as well. Um, we went to Nuremberg and Nuremberg. and Stuttgart. So that's where my mother is now, Stuttgart. My, Stutt- my brother lives in Stuttgart. My mother lives in Nuremberg now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, beautiful. So Stuttgart, you know, Mercedes Museum. Yeah, that's there. beautiful. And, um, yeah, Nuremberg was all about the Christmas um, yeah, market. Christmas market well. is yeah. the biggest, I believe. And some interesting food combinations I've got in Nuremberg as well, which is quite interesting. Uh, I, found, I found very interesting as well. But... Um, yeah, so uh, that was like yeah, that was German, my sort of experience. I've been to Germany a few, probably a couple of times. I love Berlin, just really love it. I love going back, but man, that flight does me in. Yeah, every I mean, time. Yeah, you get, you're going to have to get used to <laughs> to that sort of thing. Um, so you're there for a couple of years. You're living there. Yeah. Um, then what? What did you get up to once you sort of had finished with Europe? And what, what other parts of Europe did you go to? Anything? Well, I did a lot of Europe. Mm. Um, obviously, having the two passports to choose from was always kind of cool. I did make a little kind of quick trip to Cuba I did as well because I had the German passport. That was before the embargo was lifted. Mm. So a lot of people are wondering how. Oh my, I got a lot of messages from my friends like, how did you get into Cuba? I thought only Barack could do that, you know, and Jay-Z. And I was, <laughs> so I was like, it's the it's passport, you know. Mm. Um, nobody asks if you have dual citizenship and you rock up at the border. So I got to manage to go to Cuba, which was funny. 
but wow. I mean, all of Europe, I did. You were, I went as far as uh, there's some crazy stories. We don't have time for that, but I've done some really. The thing about Europe is is how close everything is. You can make a very spontaneous trip. You know, you could mm. get off of work early on a Thursday night, and you could go away mm. for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend to Prague. You could go mm. to Milan. You could go to. So I did Italy. I did pretty much the whole east from Spain up to Norway, yeah. uh, the west, sorry. and Still a lot of Europe haven't done, so there's still other trips hopefully in the future where we'll be able to cover off on Greece and Spain and France. And, yeah. I'd like to go back now that I have some money. Mm. The way that I did it then was not very conventional. I was obviously on a backpacker budget and, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. scrapping together jobs because, you know, I'm yeah. in a U, mm. so I was able to work. So I did a lot of English mm. teaching to kind of mm. keep the money coming in. Yeah. And when, so when did you first experience Australia? When was the first time you came here? So the, the, the goal was, you know, I looked at some, you know, videos and some documentaries about Australia. And I was in Cologne and I was just doing this management consulting and we were in IT. And the reason I got interested in Australia is because two of the guys that were working with us got to go down to Australia. So what we would do is actually data and area range testing. Um, and what that is, and we did it all throughout Europe, is you'd take a, a normal size sprinter, like one of those um, Mercedes sprinter vans, mm-hmm. and you'd open the back of this thing, and it would look like, you know, a server room or something, and it would just dry. It would have one of every phone at the time. So that would have been back in the time of like the Salic, the beginning of the Salic Samsung Galaxies mm. and the original iPhones, yep. and you would have one of each from every carrier on the wall in yep. this van, yep. and they would drive around hotspots around Europe collecting yep. data for the big telephone companies about where the hotspot signals are really hitting. I didn't collect the data, but I did a lot of the um, the price quoting, and then I actually got to go on one of these ventures because of these guys in Australia. So they went down and it was something that had to do with the NBN. Okay. So we got a, a, a contract to come down here and this was just before I believe your government had cut budgets. Mm. There was originally a, 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 a massive rollout somewhere in the hundreds of millions or even billions for the NBN and then there was a new government elect or something and I yep. believe they cut the budget yep. dramatically yep. where they chose to instead of do the full fiber optic keep some of the copper Yep. and do a 50-50 mix. Yep. And at that point, the, the contract was canceled and I was already here. Yep. So we had actually started in Brisbane and we were moving our way. We only were here for about a month and I was just halfway up about near Jinjin. Mm. And they canceled it. Mm. So my employer recalled the trip and I said, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested. Brisbane looks amazing. Like yep. I, want, I really wanted to see what this place was about. Now, I always had dreams of real estate. I always said if I ever won the lottery, I would be a developer because that's where I knew that's what I would want it. I knew that that was a great way to make money. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had a general understanding for real estate coming from a place like New Jersey, having traveled the world a bit. I kind of really understood what people needed to make a successful city. I always thought that real estate and development would be a place for me to be. And I loved exploring hotels. I always thought about doing a TripAdvisor blog or doing all this stuff, but I'm just too lazy to write, and <laughs> I like keeping my experiences to myself. I'm very quite private in some extent. So I came here, and I thought, okay, maybe I'll try to get into the real estate market, and I had to do a work holiday visa. So I actually wound up working on a farm in Mitchell oh, yeah. as a jackaroo, I guess you guys call it. Yep. So I've had my little breakthrough in, uh, I guess you could say, with uh, being 
immigrated to to Australia, having to learn the the ropes the the rough way. So I did, uh, you know, the fences, fencing and uh, feeding cow cow licks and all this stuff wow. in forty something degree weather in the middle of nowhere with sleeping with hunts, huntsman spiders, and that was pretty w- freaky for me to be honest. It was a uh, quite scary we only had a landline phone and no in, no internet as well no mobile coverage. Yeah. yeah so that was kind of my first step into australia and then i met uh my partner jeb so she's she was in property at the time she actually worked for a company called ironfish i don't know if you've heard of them before so i think i have heard of ironfish yeah yeah so she worked there and she kind of gave me an in to the real estate industry mm. we worked there for a, about a year. Well, she, so what's her? So she, she have a background. She's Thai. In, she's Thai, but she have a background in real estate as well. Or yeah, she's got a way bigger background in real estate than I do. Mm. She's a, she's a key corridor mm. company, honestly. Like um, all parts aside, like if 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 you know stuff hit the fan um, and we didn't work out, we'd, this company would still need to stay together because we just operate so well together. That's good. I mean, even in the office, you wouldn't realize that the mm. two of us even slightly interested in each other but i think that's just because we work together but mm. you know she worked at Ironfish for a long time she's a f- the best she's actually the biggest thai real estate agent in australia yeah uh, single-handedly sells about 100 properties a year by herself wow so and all off market and the best thing about our side of the industry is that there's actually no it's we're actually a kind of a hidden gem in the real estate industry in, in terms of even our company and other companies like us that we don't do real estate.com ads most of these sales so you don't do the domain or real estate.com we, we do have that service yeah like if you're an investor and you have five properties and, a, and you've bought them through christie and co and we manage them and rent them for you mm. you're, you're in our portfolio yep. of course if you want to resell it we will do it yeah we have a team that does resales mm-hmm. um but in terms of projects all of our project sales are made completely offline yep. there's no marketing at all i mean maybe some database mar- mm. you know marketing but uh, all sales are made direct through networks. So it's quite interesting. But, you know, she worked there for a few years before she met me. And her boss at the time had actually branched off to start that company there, which is Home Estates Realty. So they branched off and decided that they wanted to try to compete directly with Ironfish. Now I worked, I'm not going to say anything about them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was yep. quite a bad experience. Um, yep. But I believe they're no longer in a existence so it wouldn't matter too much but we decided after i was hired as the marketing manager so um i had had a few backgrounds of starting some small companies in in the past with media companies doing Mm -hmm. marketing stuff on the side gigs and i was really good at real estate marketing so just my thing is getting the word out about things and i was working for that company and they decided that because i couldn't speak mandarin that i was of no use so, of course, their main saleswoman being my partner, she didn't want to stay there after they decided yep. to can me. Mm. So we said, let's just do this ourselves. There's no yep. point in giving away 4% of a 5% commission to somebody else when we can, you know, mm. harvest the rest of that for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so f- four years, three months ago, yeah, mm. we started that. I, I think it was started earlier than that in mm. a, on a car ride to Sydney. Mm. That's how it started midway through it took me a while to get her to get out of the old company actually mm. so mm. so a bit of an international focus so do, i guess do you get uh, have you got a lot of clients that are international clients or everyone pretty much um so international interstate high, high percentage yeah everybody's and interstate out, outside of brisbane 
the outside of Brisbane market for us is awesome. Mm. Um, and outside of Australia market. Um, we do get Brisbane local clients. The mm. thing about our, our staff and our team is we're extremely culturally diverse. Yep. I've got South African, American, mm. German, mm. Middle Eastern, Thai, Vietnamese, Taiwan, mm. Chinese, Malaysian, Singapore staff working for me. Wow. I'm getting clients from every which direction, whereas most of these companies, some of the larger Asian-based companies, are mainly Chinese or main. I haven't seen that's, any. That's a lot of diversity yeah. as far as uh, culture, uh, nationalities. That's, yeah. that's uh, a lot of holidays definitely a point to of difference there when it comes to, to what you do then, I guess. Yes, it's, it, it requires a much more detailed form of service. You know, each culture in some way or another, whether you say stereotypes are true or not, I'm not going to go down that road. But, you know, with all the different cultures, there's a certain level of service that they all expect. So your level of service needs to be on par in some way and well-balanced that everybody can accept it. Mm. And it took a lot of tailoring. The first two years of our business was really hard to figure out who the core demographic of people was going to be. I mean, one part of you wants to do what everybody else does and jump into the Chinese market, but we, but that's that's a shark market. Mm. If you don't understand the Chinese market, it's a very hard market to get mm. into. I, I, I get phone calls all the time from developers. Hey, uh, do you want to take my project over to the Chinese market? It's like, it just it doesn't work like that. It doesn't mm. work mm. how people think it does and so you really have to calculate and have the right team behind you before you get into something like that and most companies that do property companies that decide to get into the chinese market have to be well funded you know and you've got to have a huge network of other agencies in china to make it work Mm. you know Uh, otherwise you won't stick Mm. you know just maybe you could do it on a project basis but in terms of all of that diversity it's it's open doors for us for all kinds of different things i mean you know, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint one thing or another, but it's definitely changed the way we had to sell. Um, and we're extremely, the, be- the, the, the main core value is just, I know it sounds cheesy, it's not love, but it's customer service. Of course, yeah. You know, that's what really changed the game for us and made our company. I mean, we're actually growing quite substantially. Last year, we did over 300 sales off market, mm. you know, and we only so did. So how many sales off market, sorry? About 300 just last yep. year. So and, easy. Yeah. and that's we don't do project marketing so we're not representing projects on realestate.com we're doing that this year because mm. we've earned some a little bit of rite of passage last year to kind of grab some projects and a few people we work with saw the performance and went wow we really want to get you guys kind of representing our projects because some of the bigger agencies don't even pull those kind of numbers so for us it was a really last year was the biggest year we've ever had and th- even this january feels like 2019 mm. like i felt like the whole year just in january just exploded for us with the launch of the queen's wharf mm. so it's pretty big so tell us about the queen's wharf to build dylan i've had, I've had it as a, i've had uh, you know, a contact of ours but i guess all of a sudden sort of interested in investing in the project so tell us a bit about how, where where when when that started and what your involvement has been and yeah. and what do you think so the Queen's Wharf, obviously, uh, you know, there was the bid between Star and Crown originally to see who was going to be able to put their casino in, in the Brisbane CBD first. And I think the reason that Star won was because of their cool arc shape. So I don't know if you've seen the full renders I yet. Think I think I, I vaguely, I haven't, I haven't sort of done any r- major research on that particular aspect. Mm. 
So, so there's there, this precinct consists of one, two, three, four, five buildings in total. You could consider the mid- middle building kind of two because it's divided. Mm-hmm. So there you've got one building on the left, which is a door, which will be a door set and a rosewood combined hotel, and that's yep. going to be over sixty levels high. Hmm. 60 floors. Yep. 60 levels, yeah. 60 yep. floors, yeah. Mm-hmm. And next to that and below it, you're going to have... I'll just open up because there's a lot to read about this. So yeah. I just want to make sure that I get everything right when you're talking about yep. this. So in total, it's $3.6 billion of investment from our government, wow. from the um, the star. I couldn't tell you exactly who's put what into it. I'm sure there's a figure on there. But the total project is going to cost about $3.6 billion. And this is about nine hectares over one kilometer of river frontage. Mm. Now, um, it's estimated that it's going to bring about 1.3 million new tourists into Brisbane each year, mm-hmm. which will hopefully, is what, what they're kind of getting on about, is that it's going to create 8,000 jobs once it's operational. Now, as I said, you've got that main... Um, the, the, the door set in Rosewood Hotel, which will be on the left, over 60 floors. And you know the Treasury Hotel right now? Yeah, yeah. That's actually being renovated into a Ritz-Carlton. So okay. that's going to be Brisbane's first six-star hotel. Now, this is amazing for us. You know, it's really, uh, really something very luxury. But I don't think they can change it too much because it's mm-hmm. heritage. But they're yep. definitely going to make it a bit better. So, um and that Rosewood door set will be sitting on top of the integrated resort, the Star Integrated Casino Resort, which is about 12 football fields. Mm. It'll have of public space, a 1,000 hotel rooms, a 1,000-seat ballroom. They're going to have over 50 world-class restaurants, bars, um, sitting all on top of about 40,000 square meters of commercial retail space. Mm. So um, that's going to be a really activated area, especially because there's going to be a bridge, the new bridge, the... Um, Neville Bonner Bridge, mm. which is being built directly from the Star Casino going into South Bank. So that's, I don't know if you've seen the renders, there is a new bridge being built and they're currently under construction now. So um, these three towers, um, you have the, the hotel tower in the middle, which will consist of five-star, six-star gaming lounges, private, all that kind of hotel uh, aspects as well from the casino and star and on the right side is the queen's wharf residences mm. the 64 floors yep. 600 apartments mm. um that will be on there and you're looking at the coolest aspect is there's a huge circular arch mm. which connects the door set the hotel and the residences all together it's about 105 meters mm. high and yep. it's a sky deck that can fit about 1,500 people at a time. Mm. It actually has a limit to it. So there actually be door guards at the bottom of the elevators limiting how many people get to go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has a weight thing because of the way it's balanced. Wow. But, uh, yeah, it will be pretty world class. You know, it's an amazing thing for Brisbane. And uh, we are launching that. In, uh, in March 5th is the public launch. So... I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if you've seen down near William One, the government building. Yep. There, there is a huge like white UFO thing on stilts down there. Yep, that's actually the display. There's mm-hmm. an actual replica one bedroom and a three bedroom in there. Okay, along with a huge model of the Brisbane city that lights up and shows all the key features of the Brisbane CBD and how it's going to affect the area. Mm. So our involvement, um, we're one of the main agencies that's been contracted to sell it. Mm-hmm. through uh, YPM, which is obviously the main project marketing. There are um, majority of the agencies, though, besides YPM and ourselves, are all overseas agencies. Mm-hmm. They're mainly Chinese yep. or uh, Asian agencies. Yep. So um, 
because of the coronavirus, there was supposed to be a lot of pre-sales happening. I don't mm. know what's going on, but most of the events have been canceled Jeez, for yeah. the pre-launch. So it puts our buyers in a really good position to actually get the best units. So we've decided to put together an event on the 15th at the Treasury Hotel. Of February, I think you said. Of February, yeah. yep, where the uh, buyers can actually come through and reserve on the spot before anybody else gets a chance to. I think it's a Saturday, is it not? It is. It's yeah. the day after Valentine's Day. Yep. So... It gives our buyers a chance to get a hold of whatever's best in that building before it gets. They're estimating it'll sell out within two months. Yeah, that's no, that's definitely going to turn Brisbane on its head. This development, that's for sure. It's kind of scary. Mm. It's kind of. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of work though as well. It is. It is. I mean, the government's taken the right steps to prepare for with the city. There's so much that's happening, including the expansion of our runways. You know, at the airport. Yep. It's all really Olympic driven. I feel like there's, you know, that bid originally for yeah. the for the casino was supposed to be complete in 2024, mm. but when we spoke to the developer, so I think they're going for the bid for 2032, aren't they? Is that yeah, the, but yeah, what I mean is the the, years, yeah. the the bid for 2024 to have the casino complete by then. Yeah. That's what the government was rushing for. They've now pushed them to finish at 2022. So there's a contract with Star to, okay. to finish in the next two and a half years wow. that whole precinct. You can see there's nine cranes in that hole right now. They're trying to rush that thing. They're trying to get it done because I believe it ha- there's a lot more projects that need attention, which is the the Brisbane Live Arena, which is now underway, and the Brisbane Cross River Rail and the Albert Street yeah. Station. Yep. These are huge projects that they all want to have done before the bid is, is in. Mm. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy, all the stuff that's going on. It's a great equation for, for property right now. That's mm. what I believe. Yeah, it's certainly it's, it's going to do something, hopefully, to, to Brisbane's... Um, you know, values at some point. I mean, obviously, Brisbane's had a fairly flat run when you compare it to, to most of um, what's going on with, with other, you know, Melbourne and Sydney. Um, it's just, a, it's, it, you know, when do you think Brisbane's going to start having those sort of, you know, rises in, in land value and real estate? Well, I think we're already in the, in, in a, in a precur in like a pre- we're, in, we're at the beginning of what is to be an amazing journey, I really do believe. Mm. I, I think a lot of people compare us to Sydney and Melbourne well, oh, yeah. all the time. But if you actually take a glance back, there's different perspectives to look at. As a New Yorker, as someone who's done a lot of traveling, yep. I see, I lived in a big, dirty city. You know, it's, yep. not a, it's a great city. It's a beautiful place to go. But it's also a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a machine. You know, when you see a city that intricate and these, the, even things such as garbage management, you could just see like, how much goes into running a massive city like that and then you take a step and you look at places like Brisbane's infrastructure I've been around the world a lot and I can tell you that Brisbane's got some of the best infrastructure I've Mm. ever seen Mm. you know the the Clem Jones the the tunnels the cut tunnels I mean the tunnels sort of imagine if they didn't happen yeah this place would be packed with traffic but even those those tunnels I've never seen another city with a tunnel that cuts completely under it I mean there probably is there's plenty of them but this one's just so convenient. I mean, it, and all the exits that it has, the airport link, I can connect to Hamilton, mm. Wynnum Road, you know, it just comes out so many different places. Mm. It's And even that, the ICB, there's just so much, the Gateway Bridge, like, it's just such a great outlay. Um, I mean, you go to Melbourne, they don't even have an air, a, a train to the airport. Mm. You know, it's, it's I, I think it's overrated. You know, Mel- Melbourne. I don't really get to. I haven't been down to Melbourne to see it for a long time. I always loved Melbourne, but um, 
you know, you are right. If you look at what they've done infrastructure-wise, you know, over the last 10 years or 10 or 15 years, it's it has sort of helped quite a lot uh, when you're looking at inner, inner Brisbane in particular. Yeah, of um, course. It's amazing here now. It's like I look at Brisbane and I honestly cannot find another city that has what we have. Mm. You know, you even look at Sydney. I mean, their trains are very outdated. Their stations, mm. most of them need to be all renovated now because it's an older city, whereas we've got a fresh kind of plate to work with mm. here. You know, this is a barbecue and we're just putting the meat on now. You mm. know, it's it's, mm. it's it's a good time to, yep. to be involved. You mm. know, wh- where else in the country do you see this scale of government projects happening? Mm. It's really something else. And every week, something else is getting announced. The Albion precinct that's going on, the, mm. the, the South City Square precinct that Pelicano has put up, you know, in Wollongaba. It's just there's endless new precincts being developed. By, 20, by 2030, this city's going to be an absolutely amazing place to live. I think we might even be able to compete for, you know, those top livable world spots pretty soon, especially with Gold Coast, too. Mm. And there's no other city in, in Australia that has a paired, awesome oceanside city like that. You know, we're only 45 minutes away from one of the best vacation places mm. in the north. In, you got Sunshine Coast is probably exactly. even a better spot. And that's even got a that's DA a for the CBD mm. now, too. Yeah. That Maruchidor CBD. Yeah, that's, it's amazing what they've done up in up that end of the, the spectrum as well. What uh, Have you sort of had any sort of um, associated with any projects uh, that have been sort of more valley-centric uh, rather than, I guess... Well, in the valley? Of, yeah, sort of bigger projects in the valley... We've, we, we always do yeah. work um, with any major project in town. We, we've seen it. Yeah. I think that's something that makes our company So you would have you sort of any part of um, FV Pepper? Do any of that? Yes. Before I say anything about it, do yeah. you, you have any invested in that? Or no, no, no. I've just, I just, <laughs> I just seen that we, we see what the you know, projects they put up over the you know, recent years in, in the valley, and obviously that sticks out because you, you see it as you come come into that part of you know that one was it's a great building Mm. was it done in a weird spot i think yes Mm. it's a bit of a strange street to kind of chuck that building in yep um there was a that peppers i'll be honest with you i had a lot of investors not of mine but people i knew that were very upset about that Mm. that wasn't originally in the works that 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 hotel aspect was not mentioned in the deals Mm. So a lot of investors purchased units in there and had no idea that in a few weeks there's going to be, you know, food trays and hotel trolleys in their in their in their hallways. Could you imagine mm. buying a unit to live in and then next in every weekend, you know, you're yes, you're in a party place, but you go and you buy a luxury unit not expecting it to turn into a hotel which now invites the general public inside. Mm. Which means that the majority of the time on Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, young people are going to be renting out rooms and partying and hanging mm. out there. So it was quite devastating in yeah, terms of some of the yeah. people that were in there. But the building itself is awesome. It's a mm. great... Gurner always pushes the limits. I've got no problem with his projects. The the one residences I think they did, which is just on the corner of the building that just wrapped up where Forrester's, his, his mm. new bar is, pretty cool building. I mm. believe it's all sold out from what I understand. We didn't even get really a chance to look at it. But the biggest problem we've been seeing in the Valley is short valuation. The Valley's still undergoing a period of adjustment. It's not fully where it needs to be yet because there's not the infrastructure to handle um, living mm. quite yet. I mean, if you take a look at where your nearest Woolies and stuff are, they're not really in convenient places. I mean, if you look down towards the side where the Mercedes dealerships are and, and the BMW dealerships are, 
you have to really look around and ask yourself where the the infrastructure is for for living is not really complete yet mm. but with mercedes making the bid to move i believe sam chung the developer bought mercedes dealerships and they're planning on putting up as more units come up more ground level commercial becomes available and that's when those holes and those gaps in that area really start to fill mm. in especially you know you've got the the party element of wickham street and all those streets down there the valley mm. um so it, it, it attracts a different kind of demographic you know so there's been a lot of mismatch in valuations going on especially because you're also seeing a toss-up between luxury and low-class developments mm. i've seen enough projects in this market where people invite you to come and see a building and they go look at this and you're like wow what is this and they think it's the best thing in the world as developers but they don't really realize what people need mm. and they're not building things that people want mm. and as a guy who's and I don't mean this in an arrogant way. I've been in nearly every new project in this building for the pa- in, in the city for the past eight yep. years. I've seen it all. Mm. So whereas you'd think these developers would do mm. good due diligence. So you don't see, mm. you get a real, the valley is a really interesting place right now. I've seen mm. projects that have built crazy displays mm. in like five years ago. Mm. And it was going to be an amazing launch. And I remember they gave us balmain passport holders and all kinds of crazy colognes on the launch and then the building never even took off yeah because they couldn't even get pre-sales so i think it's in the valley you have to be really strategic about how Mm. you launch a new project and if if the numbers can work Mm. because a lot of people who own land there want unrealistic amount of money for the for the land as well Mm. so only if you can get the numbers right can you make a project work And if you get the right people behind it to sell it, so I don't mean to carry on too much no, about the right. valley. So I, like, I think it's interesting what you, you know, your perspective because you, you know, you you've been in there on the ground in a lot of these different projects here in Brisbane and surrounding areas, and it's just quite interesting to hear, you know, your sort of knowledge on this. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's one thing to calculate numbers and look at charts and mm. do all that kind of stuff, but for me, I'm the, I'm a hands-on guy. Mm. I've always been that way in learning. I don't I, I I read books and I see all that, but I feel like mm. to really get an understanding of what's going on in a situation, you need to get down and understand. You need to get into it and mm. live it and breathe it and yep. eat it and. When, when I get into, you know, I see this all around town. There's so many different situations about this, like this oversupply thing. Mm. This whole talk of oversupply, I don't see it anywhere. You know, there's so much news about, is Brisbane oversupplied? And I'm like, everything that I'm involved in is selling. Mm. The only stuff that's not selling is the units that developers are building that people won't buy because there's just two competitive great buildings coming out and making it too hard for them to sell their units mm. they want unrealistic price if people always go back to these you know these what was it, the past three years so many articles about oversupply mm. i never had a problem selling at all mm. none of our projects had a problem selling i'll tell you the projects that did have a problem selling are people that just don't know what they're doing mm. developers that come in and want to make a quick getaway, want to build quick buildings. There's loads of scenarios. Mm. But usually most of the reasons why people might say, hmm, I've seen that building there for months and no one's living in it, it's usually got something to do with the developer. Mm. It's usually got something to do with the process, the mm. sales, the pricing. Mm. Yep. There's something going on there, and that's why that building's there's things as complicated as Chinese companies just mm. moving money offshore, building buildings and leaving them empty. I've mm. seen it. There are buildings in town that until mm. ne- until recently had people in them that were actually just Taiwanese investors moving money offshore. Mm. You know, like there's so many scenarios, but oversupply, I really don't believe no, that's I, one of them I, at all. That's fair enough. 
Yeah. Uh, so what do you th- think about, um, obviously, one of the, I guess, the flavours of the last year or so is, is Howard Smith Wars. Well, how do, what do you think of how that sort of developed, that it's sort a, of area? Which one? The Howard Smith Wars, you know, in and around. Totally on it. I, I didn't know what to think when it was coming in. Mm. I didn't know what to think, like, was what was actually going to be in there. Like, the... We, it's the same thing for us when we, even when we see new apartments. Like you, they mm. put a render out, but you're like, is it really going to finish like that? Yeah. It's the one thing about our company is we do really good due diligence in terms mm. of we won't even sell a project unless you can show us your previous works. Yeah. So when Howard Smith Wharves renders came out, I said, okay, what's this going to look like? And then when we got down there, I thought, wow, this is a really amazing addition to the city. Mm. Australians love it. Mm. Local Brisbane guys, you know, gals going out there on the weekends having beers near the river, and it just seems to be packed 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? You mm-hmm. know, we need more places. And it activated a part of the city that you never thought would be activatable. You mm-hmm. know, like at the bottom of a cliff under a bridge, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's such a cool urban spot that it really just worked out pretty cool. I think it's an amazing. And the bike walk and the, and the walking boardwalks that are attached mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. are unlike any other city. I mean, how cool is that? You can go mm-hmm. from New Farm. You can take the, the ferry from Hamilton, get off at New Farm, and mm-hmm. walk your way into the yeah. city. You know, it's amazing. No, that's excellent. What about uh, one of the buildings that um, it, there hadn't been too many five-star buildings that would sort of uh, been built in in more recent years, and hopefully with this, you know, what we're going to see over at Queen's Wharf, we're going to see a complete redevelopment over the next few years. But what do you think of the W Hotel that had been built? At, at I love year? it. Yeah. I think it was really good. I think there was a few hotels that popped up that year, mm. and uh, out of all of them. It's really tough with me because mm. I stay at a lot of hotels. Yeah. I have stayed at 70% of hotels on Gold Coast or more. Okay. I've, that's that's I, quite a lot, man. I go down almost every other weekend. Wow. I go down to Gold Coast and I try something new. I'm not, I'm, and I, and I, I'm not talking out my butt. I'm being for real when I say mm. that I really do go down there that much because I don't have a house there and me and the partner like to go and spend our weekends at the beach. So we go down there quite often and uh, I see a lot of what hotels have to offer. Now, W's got really good designs, but I think Emporium's probably the best in the city. I think Emporium's got... The, have you been at the Emporium yet in South Bank? You've stayed a night there yeah. by any chance? When was that built? That's built a while back. We started selling the apartments in that about five years ago, yeah. six years ago. Mm. Would have been when we started selling it. I believe we settled about a year and a half to two years ago. Yeah. Those flew off the market. Yeah. We sold that building... We sold That building sold out completely. Not only us, but a lot of other agencies sold off the plan, that building. And... When it came back to market, a lot of uh, overseas settlements had failed. So there was about 25 units that came back to market. I think we sold all those in three, th- about th- somewhere around three months. Okay. They were all gone, the one bedrooms. And people are still asking. Mm. People are still asking. That building's so high in demand. Such a great building. Well, but what's, what, what do you think are the characteristics about that building that make it work? The location. Mm-hmm. To the students, student accommodation. Student accommodation. You've got those yeah. uni lodges and those scapes around there, but also there's nothing really of that. I mean, if you stayed in those one bedrooms that they have, the, the hotel aspects, it's really cool. Okay. When you go in there and you sit down in the bed and you go, where's the TV? And they've got this massive mirror on the wall and you turn the TV on and the mirror goes transparent and the TV is built into it. And you're like, wow. this. And the, when you mm-hmm. open the door to the hotel room, the, shut, the, the shutter's even open too. Mm-hmm. But if you've been to the rooftop bar there, they've got the rooftop bar. It's the South Bank Entertainment. It's the closeness to the city. It's just the grand entrance. The entrance to the thing is amazing. And then in the Woolworths, the downstairs precinct has everything you need to live. They've got doctors. The, the way that we always talk about an investment is um, 
is obviously, you know, uh, pi, which is population, infrastructure, and employment. And that's what really drives property investment, of course. You know, the infrastructure, you know, you, you need the people there to use the infrastructure. And you need employment for people to, to come and live around it or be there. And um, when you look at a place like Emporium, that center, which is built, not only you've got the parklands, mm. you've got the train station right behind it. You've got mm. a main train station that connects to anywhere. Mm. Not only that, bridges directly into the city, mm. and there's a Woolworth at your feet, you know, with doctors and dentists and coffee shops and everything that a young person or bi- young professional would need or even an elderly would need, mm. you know? So it's, it, it's just reeks convenience. Mm, and that's okay. especially being in the city you have the flight center building next door which anthony jean group built in mm. conjunction with that and i don't know how many jobs are in that building but imagine there's two thousand jobs right next door you know yeah so so i guess a, a question so when did you sort of first come along to a valley chamber of commerce event and how long ago was that and what did you think i came across the valley chamber of commerce about six months ago i can't really recall the first one i oh the first one i went to i was was this it was the one before the khalil hotel i can't remember where that was so Um, it was only about six months ago yeah there was a khalil hotel and then there was um victoria park and Mm. uh is it the elephant room or something like that or the ivory tusk ivory tusk yeah (laughs) i knew it was something with elephants yeah (laughs) so you've been to a few events Yeah. yeah and uh i went with norman Norman's a good friend. You know Norman. Yeah, Norman. Yeah, he's yeah. a good friend of mine. His father and I always talk property. I want to go up to Sunshine Coast, and for a while I was involved with him. Trying to get uh, trying to get Normie on the podcast. Actually, <laughs> he'll be on at some point. But uh, Normie's sort of, I guess he's become a bit uh, more of a friend over the last uh, year or so. He's um, he loves his UFC. So uh, that's usually where I find him at Osborne Hotel. Yeah, whatever so, those um, events I think are going we're on. Watch John Jones this weekend against unbeaten Dominic Reyes that'd be interesting <laughs> yeah he hasn't invited me to that one but I used to I, I went up to initially our relationship started when his father was considering the sale of Black Black Castle okay and I went and I was intrigued yeah. and I went and looked and I decided that that was something I didn't want to be involved in yeah. I just thought like I remember his yeah. father said they wanted to sell the land and they and the, because he actually um, secretly owns all of the well maybe not anymore but owns all the houses around the Bly Bly Castle as well. Mm. So it's a 10,000 square meter site. Yep. And it's actually the highest site in Bly Bly. Mm. And not to mention, because the castle has a tower, mm. it's already got, it's got no height restriction. So it's one of the only places directly outside of Maruchidor that has no height restriction. And he said, and I said, well, you know, developers are gonna have to knock this down. And there's this old German guy telling me, well, if you know, I know exactly which brick to pull out in the back to bring the whole thing down. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I don't want to be involved in this because honestly, I don't know anybody that's going to, he want, they wanted an outrageous price for the castle and I, um, on top of it, but then the council wants to deem it a heritage site, Yeah. but it's actually made out of like cinder blocks. It's not like a real castle or anything. So anyway, that's how I got to know, I got to know Norm through that whole shenanigan. And then, I mean, his father's a very serious property investor and actually owns lots of land throughout Maroochydore and other, other areas around Brisbane. So we still keep in touch and Normie's a good friend. We play tennis every week together. But uh, the VCC, I just joined as a full member yep. now, so I'm fully involved. Yeah, so looking forward to the event. I believe it's at Foresters. Uh, the next, the next this one, one on the 27th, right? Yeah, at the end of the month. So there's that. So that's coming up on the 27th. First uh, Valley Chamber meet and mingle of the year. Mm. So that's, that's interesting. 
And yeah, then I haven't the, been up there yet. And then the chap, no, I haven't been there either. I think Altitude Bar or something. Like Altitude Bar, which is Altitude it. Bar. That's yeah, it. that's in the Foresters building, which yeah. is part of FE. Mm. So looking forward to that. And then the day after that, they've got the at, at uh, Cloudland. They've got the Chaplain Watch Ball. Oh, that's right. I I, I have that uh, in my office underneath my, uh, my so keyboard. I've got, I've got, I've got a table tight. for that. That should be uh, should be a good one. Mm, if you I have an RSVP'd for that, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's. Some good stuff coming up there, that's for sure. Um, tell us about some of the other uh, projects. You said you mentioned, I think, at the top of the show, um, Sunland Group. Sunland, yeah. You've had a, had a bit of involvement in their projects? Or? We have been working very extensively with uh, Sunland Group uh, over the past year. They were always a developer that we wanted to get onto the book. So just for those people who probably don't know, mm-hmm. uh, their most iconic building would have to be Q1 in Gold Coast. Yeah. So yeah. the the tallest tower with the big spike where you can do the I'm you sure can do you've been up right at the top of you <laughs> yes yes i have done that whole walk up there it's pretty cool um we are doing an event with them in february mm-hmm. um where they're actually launching the their 2020 show guide i guess you could say they're they're planning some pretty iconic projects and apparently a new one in brisbane i'm not gonna pull the trigger on which one it yeah, is yeah um I'm hoping it's the one that's been contested by the neighbor. I don't know if you heard about Grace on Coronation being contested by a by a, there was a neighbor that was pretty upset. They were they were planning to build those three champagne towers on um, Coronation Drive in Tuong, and the neighbor just wasn't having it and fought to the death to to bring that project down. And um, I believe Sunland had a crazy just back and forth with them in the courts and that may be what they're launching i really hope it is they haven't told us yet but if that 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 was actually zaha hadid's last design in architecture before she passed Mm. so to have that in brisbane would be an amazing touch to the city it's from what i understand that building actually holds itself up from an exoskeleton Mm. and it doesn't have uh many um pillars throughout the building which makes the unit shapes quite interesting because it doesn't have these huge uh, cylinder truss things in the middle as much as because most of the health strength is from the actual outside of the building. So, but Everton Hills right now, their project up there, we did 90, doing 91 townhomes in Everton Hills. Sunland Group is renowned for like their Middle Eastern. So what are they doing in Everton Hills? Is it like, like a complex or what? It's what a complex it? of 91 townhomes. That's currently oh, sort of a gated area. Or? It's it's in some sense a gated area. There's no yep. actually gate, but the feeling would you yep. have because their stuff is really six star look. Mm. Okay, you know, the, six star. Okay, it wow. looks good. They, did you know that they built the Palazzo Versace in Gold Coast as well? Yeah. I th- um, I'd, no, I wasn't aware that they built it, but I'm obviously aware of the Palazzo. Yep. So they did the Palazzo Versace. Versace. Yep. That was them as well. The original designers was 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 Sunland. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention Marina Concourse mm-hmm. in Benoa, across from the RACV Royal Pines. It's that big circular, you know, lake, man-made lake, with the two white buildings wow. that kind of arch yep. to it. Like they're very got a very you, Abian in the city. Yep. Do you know the the black tower that's in front of the botanical gardens? It has a crazy. It's right across the street from Q. Like from the from the botanical gardens down the street from QUT a little bit. Just right there. There's that. Um, I should know. I should know it. Abian Abian is is okay. the Brisbane's most luxurious building. Okay. And um, that's where the actual CEO of of, mm. of the build or the CEO's son mm. actually lives as well. But I believe he might have actually just sold, sold his penthouse there. Mm. But one of my wealthiest clients lives in there as well, and they have a mm. penthouse that's worth six million dollars, mm. um, and the top near the top floor. So um, 
that building just alone, just the architecture. I mean, these lobbies, when you go into them, they have no reverb. Like no you can reverb. clap your hands and it just goes dead. Like you ever right. been in a room that has no reverb before, like a studio, music studio? And you clap your hands and the echo instantly you you stops? Yeah, you don't, uh, yeah, I don't go into many of those places, that's for sure. But this is the kind of developer you're working with here. Like yeah. this is, they're extremely mm. high-end in what they do. And for them to be building townhouses in Everton Hills, I mean, I want, they're only starting at 525 at the luxury quality that they bring in. There's only 91 of them, uh, three bedrooms and four bedrooms. It's just absolutely amazing. We did a number on them last year. I believe the first stage, we, so stage one was pretty much sold out already when we got on board. Stage three wasn't even available yet. We had been fighting for their relationship, mm. and we made stage three kind of available without even really getting permission. <laughs> mm. And we pretty much sold out the whole stage. Yeah. And within that moment, a great bond was formed between us and Sunland yep. Group, and also Brisbane Real Estate, who was involved with us as well in that project. Mm. So um, really interesting stuff um, to see guys who are doing huge sky luxury skyscrapers nice. downsizing into townhouses, you know? Yep. Picture time? Yeah. <laughs> Just in case I forget, but uh, yeah, so yeah. Brisbane. I guess now that you sort of uh, acclimatise yourself to Brisbane, mm. uh, do you see yourself living here long term now, or what do you what do you see in the future for Christie and Co. and Christie and Co. is growing so big um, yeah. at the moment, and I honestly am shocked. I hate like to, to toot our own horn. God, I'm not one of those kind of people, but mm. it has been really exceeding what I ever thought it would be especially the like 2019 was like okay maybe something's gonna happen in 2020 something like maybe this company's really going kind of big yeah and then just January's just been confirmation of like everything that we did in 2019 I feel like almost half the year of what happened happened just in the beginning of January January has been absolutely insane it was the craziest month I've ever had in my entire life running business so there are talks to do in-house finance there's also talks to do uh, development. So we do a lot of other things that people don't know about. Um, not only do we do project sales, we do brand new homes. Mm. We do townhouses. Mm. We do SIV visa. So we assist very high-end clients mm. with significant investment visas. Mm. Being in tax and accounting and stuff like that, I can imagine you guys might, you probably know what that is. Or mm. yeah. So we've assisted lots of people into different hedge funds and different funds that have ultimately wound up in commercial developments and stuff like that. We do lots of stuff. Mm. We, 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 Sounds we, like you did get involved. Anything that quite there's property. broad. Anything, not just anything where there's property. Mm. Anything where there's property and it's, there's one thing between being a guy who can just sell you a property mm. and there's one thing between be having a team who's highly educated every mm. week. We bring bank lenders, accountants, mm. tax men, mm. developers, anybody into the office. They just train our staff. Train and train and train because our team knows everything about Brisbane. If you mention a new city project, mm. my staff can tell you everything about it. Yeah. There's one thing between being an agent who might be specific in Kedron and might be, this is his bubble and this yeah. is what he knows. Yeah. But if you're talking about agents who know the East, you know, the East Coast of Australia mm. as a whole, mm. you, you're looking at those kind of agents because they know what big investors want to buy, yep. what, you know, anything from farms to, you know, commercial developments. But people have money and they want to do things with it, but they don't trust anybody else and they want us to go and find developments for them to put the money into. Mm. Um, we manage money for people in, in some sense, 
but I'm not allowed to say that because we don't do no, finance, no, but no, no. in some way we help people to find a place for their money to go mm. by finding trustable assets because mm. we do a lot, we do such serious due diligence mm. in finding good investments for people. Mm. Um, there are loads of developers in this town and Gold Coast is also a huge market for us. We mm. sell in Gold Coast just as much as we do in Brisbane. And I could tell you that um, in these markets, you know, there's, you know, I don't know. I just think there's, uh, what was I saying there for a second? What was I saying? What was I on about? <laughs> I get rambled so so caught up in my own that's brain a, and my phone went off at the same time. We might uh, finish a couple of things. <laughs> we couple should of, cut that out. A couple my, of things. Um, what, what, is the, what do you think the most fascinating place that you've ever been to in the world? Because you've done a, quite a bit of travel. Yeah. If, if you sort of think of all the different places that you've been to, and what do you think is the, what sticks out to you as being the most fascinating place? Here. Brisbane. Or... Yeah, I'd have to say that here is really, it's got to be here. It, it, it's, I've traveled a lot. This is the most livable city I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Gold Coast, I, I'll be honest with you, and people won't get mad, but I've been thinking about moving to Gold Coast <laughs> just because I love being near the ocean. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to find a direct ocean to get to in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, when I say these things about infrastructure and stuff, I'm not speaking mm-hmm. out of a salesman. I'm speaking yeah. out of pure... Mm. This is just how I feel about as well. Yeah, um, Brisbane's got something special about it. It's a mm. it's a safe place. Mm. You know, I come from a country where people have guns on the streets, and yeah. you, crime is a normal thing. And mm. you know, you go to Germany, and there's all these kind of crazy things that go on in Europe. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a crowded place, and it's got so much history. Mm. You know, Europe, and then you come to a place like this. It's brand new. The sun shines every day. Uh, I, there's koala bears in the trees, and you've I've got Gold Coast. I could go jet skiing and <laughs> crystal clear blue water whenever I want. And there's just and the money is good. People mm. made. I went. I lived in a country where people made seven dollars an hour. I mean, America yeah. the minimum wage is horrible. Mm. The the Definitely. minimum wage here is incredible. Yeah, you know, it's quite high. Yeah, when you think of that. So that's the most fascinating um, place. Really, there you go, Brisbane, and this part of the world. What about? Um, I guess we'll put this, what's the most fascinating building that you've ever been to or the f- most fascinating place, that, hotel that you've ever stayed in? Oh. <laughs> mm. I know there's going to be one that might be one of, there's one in my mind that doesn't exist yet and I know is coming. I want to talk about that, but I don't want to get, that. that's Sunland's building in uh, uh, Mermaid Beach. Okay. The new 272 Hedges that's actually, there's like a uh, a privacy statement on that one. There's so many people that bought in it that are famous that are not even allowed okay. to really speak about much yeah. about it. Um, that's, that's the future. <laughs> yeah. So that's that that I know will be when you if you see the renders of this lobby, man, it's absolutely yeah. insane. But mm. hmm, I've been in a lot of buildings. Mm. My favorite one in Brisbane, or well, my favorite it, one in the world. In the world, the Burj. The Burj Khalifa would have to be the coolest building I've ever seen. So where's that? It's Dubai. Oh yeah, okay. That is, it's so it's so big you can see it from the airport. Mm. You're miles, miles away, mm. and it looks like it, it's just this thing. It's just you see it on. This is the world's tallest building. Yeah. And when you see it in um, in photos, it does nowhere near the justice of what it does to stand in its presence. Mm. It is so tall. Mm. It is monstrosity. 
of, of a building. Mm. Um, I've never been to the top of it, but I've seen it, and I'd have to say that it's got to be the most. The, you've been on the. Oh yeah, I've been to it. Dubai. Yeah, a few times. Mm. Uh, usually do layovers there when I go to Europe. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, I'd have to say that even without going inside, that's probably something that just it's spectacular in terms yeah. of its look. Mm. It's just it's. And what about the most spectacular that, that you've actually stayed in? Stayed in? Mm. I like... There's so many. I mean, like, I've stayed in some mediocre hotels and with Sundays that just have some pretty cool views, yeah. you know? Like, they, yeah. like, the hotel's not bad, and some of them have... Um, like, even I've stayed up at the RACV in Noosa, which has jet pools on the roof. Yeah. You know, like actually, you got a you got a little conference I got to go to the RSC fee Noosa in in March uh, next month. Have you yeah. booked yet? Um, this, yeah, I've got to. Um, I was talking to the guy about accommodation. I've got to sort that out. That's if it. you guys are staying there, I'm staying there for a night at least, yeah, get one of the three bedroom townhouses with jacuzzis on the roof. They're only mm. three. They're only like three hundred, three fifty a night or something. If you get <laughs> if you get a good deal, and if you split yeah. it with three people, yeah, you know that's pretty cheap, and you guys got a jacuzzi on the roof. Yeah, so there you go. Um, There's an inside tip. But Emporium would probably be one of my favorites. The mm. overall, just the Emporium bar at the top of Emporium in South Bank. I, I think have to have another look at that myself. Yeah, but uh, usually I find that bars actually have the coolest place. The coolest place. It's not always hotels. It's usually the bars that are situated in them. Yeah, you know, like uh, Ivy. Um, I tell you what, I was I was quite impressed with the bar at the W Hotel. Yeah, that was quite impressive. The, the, the wet deck. Yeah, the wet. There was a couple of different levels. And Is that the one with the white stripes? Uh, Near I'm the not pool? sure, but it was just really. Yeah. Oh, there was the wet deck. Yeah, the wet deck as well. So you had the, that level. Yeah. And then you had the the little cocktail bar down the bottom, and that looked pretty cool. We had our second year anniversary there at that at the wet deck. Mm. It's pretty cool, and it was quite affordable too because it was mm. a new hotel. Yeah. But among that, when you were asking that before about the W, I think one hotel that really didn't really make a stick with me was the West End. Mm. I, I I feel like it was underdeveloped. We had a, in, people who actually lost money in, in um, valuation in, in that building as well in terms of the apartments. So Weston was actually kind of a interesting. But, you know, it's good to have a Weston in the city. It's good to have another name. Mm. I just worry about how they're going to perform when the Queen's Wharf is open just up the road. Mm. You know, but it'll be good for them as well because a lot of people, you know, if they adapt their prices right, they might they might wind up getting uh, more people staying in. But I think those business hotels will always be full, you know, those Hiltons and those Westins. But the W's got something else going for it. That's the spectacular rooms and the Endeavor rooms and whatever they call them. They're just absolutely beautiful. Mm. I got a free night there because the valet scraped my wheels. <laughs> so they upgraded my room there, which is pretty nice. I got to... It's kind of cool when you get to go out and stay out in your own city, take a little vacation in your hometown. Yeah, you know? sure, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, excellent. It's been great to have you on the podcast. We just hit over the hour mark, so I think we probably have to wrap things up. Yeah, no worries. Michael, but it's been great to have you. Always a, it's a very interesting perspectives that you've uh, put some great, uh, great commentary there on different uh, projects that uh, you've been involved in. Uh, Brisbane generally, quite a lot of stuff there, uh, so it's definitely Brisbane, but... But uh, it's good to have, you know, coming, coming from the New Jersey background, uh, mother was, you know, German, spent, spent some years there, really sort of, uh, you know, became grounded and then found, found Brisbane. So yeah. it's a great story <laughs> and uh, make sure you share it uh, on all the socials, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, we'll, we'll get the link Next up today. Next time you uh, have today. me on, I'll bring my camera. <laughs> I, I broke my Ronin, uh, the thing that holds the camera, so I meant to film this and 
next time we'll get it up on YouTube and everything because I'd cool. love to get our faces out there together. So no worries, thank man. you for having me. It was pretty, pretty no awesome. worries. Great to have you as a as a uh, very interesting guest. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. mate. Cheers.